Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about learning a new word, cognitive disorders, and we have part one of our interview with James Herbertson. Welcome to, uh, as they say in no. France, what do you mean no? <laughs> no. What do you mean no? You offended the dog last time you tried the French accent, he started barking at Let's you. Let's see if the dog starts barking if I do my French accent. Welcome, my friends, to, as they say in France, Le Canis Project. Um, uh, <laughs> the dog did just look at me and now he wants to come out, so I, at some point I might have to leave and let the dog out. This is a professional podcast, 100 on like nearly 200 episodes in, isn't it? I am joined by a girl who has learned a new word. It's Charlotte Dames. And I'm joined by a man who's seven foot and in denial. It's Chris Dames. Well, I'm six two, maybe six three if I'm on my tippy toes. But the, the funny la- enough... because lady I'm... not protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> funny enough, because I'm a 43-year-old man, I don't get on my tippy toes too often. There's no... I mean, as a kid, you were allowed to get on your tippy toes and nobody moaned about it. Why can't I do it as a 43-year-old man? There's no one stopping you. That's a... <sighs> I will spend a lot of today on my tippy toes. <laughs> um, just I'm six three, but I'm never going to get to seven foot, am I? Clearly. Oh, you're done growing now. Um, I'm probably, I'm probably done growing, and probably you might uh, the only old thing. Age, but well, you the, know. the only thing I'm going to do now is shrink, isn't it? That's the only thing I'm going to do, um, unless science. Evolved that we can like have robot legs because if that is the case, I will have a pair of robot legs. Permanent booster shoes, definitely (laughs) jetpack feet. Oh, I wasn't thinking like I was thinking more like platform shoes, but like why would I wear special shoes? I'm I'm six two. I don't. I've got no. I I could wear stilts. You could. You could wear stilts. Tell us about this uh, new word you've learned. Uh, prosopagnosia. What's it mean? It's basically this thing where people can't recognise faces. I don't know what you mean, Alan. <laughs> this again. This again. Oh, God, Prochapane knows it says about just it. Just one time, I'd like, to, I'd like to say something and not be made a joke out of. <laughs> Go on, tell me then. Tell me, tell me. Let's have a serious conversation about Prochapane knows you. No, that was it. I'm done. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. Well, no, no, tell me about it, because their audience might want to know what it is. It's face blindness. People can't recognise people by their faces because, I don't know, something in their brain doesn't work properly. <laughs> Sorry, my throat just got really dry. And and what causes it? Do, do they know? I don't know. And why are you interested in it? I heard it and then I went on a Google rabbit hole. Well, that's the problem with a new word, isn't it? It's like, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. And I think it can be caused sometimes. I remember seeing a documentary on it a few years ago. It can be caused by brain injury, can't it? Um, yeah. Like brain injury can create, you know, amazing artists um, who lose their short-term memory, but it ignites some other part of the brain that gives them amazing creative skills. Well, wasn't there that guy, um, Clive Waring, I think was his name, and he couldn't remember anything short-term, and he couldn't access his episodic long-term memory, so the memory of his events, but he could still remember how to play the piano perfectly. Right. And he still knew his wife. He didn't know her. He just knew that every time she came into the room, she was important to him. 
Right. But he couldn't actually remember who she was. She, he just knew. I wonder if the feelings of love are stored in a different part of their head than the feelings of memory. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's there's memory that doesn't get lost. So like I was saying, he still remember how, how to play the piano because that's procedural mm. memory and not episodic memory. Yeah. Um, but there's also like stuff like semantic memory. If you, um, if you, and again, this is a recommendation for listeners who, um, if you haven't read it, there's an amazing book I read a few years ago. I've, I think I've got it on Kindle still, so you can borrow it if you wanted to. It's called um, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. And it's about, it's by a psychologist um, called Oliver Sacks, who used to specialise in um, severe cognitive disorders. So not like the normal cognitive disorders that you and I might go through, but people who think their wives are that. And um, stuff like that. So certainly, if you uh, if you like that sort of thing, Oliver Sacks, the man who thought or mistook his wife for a hat, um, is certainly worth a read. Along that note, um, and we'll come on to question of podcasts in a minute. Um, how do people get in touch with us? French accent edition only. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have a Twitter which is at Ola Kindness. Uh, 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 Ola Kindness. Yes, go on next. Okay. Um, we have a Facebook... Are we, are we all here in France? I don't know. Not anymore. No. No, I'm not with you butchering their accent. Go on in. Um, Facebook, if you just type the Kindness Project into the search bar... Just type the Kindness Project into the search bar. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, you're not doing the French. I've got to do I it. I don't want to do the French. Go on, go on. Um, we have an email which is www.thekindnessproject.co.uk we have a website which is thekindnessproject.co.uk um, sorry you, you gave the email was the website and then the website is the website so the email <laughs> is holla h-o-l-a at thekindnessproject.co.uk and the website is www.thekindnessproject.co.uk my space oh we had to shut it down oh did we why is it because those pictures you posted? <laughs> Actually, it's because of the pictures you posted, but you know. Oh, I told you to keep it to yourself, mate. Oh, <laughs> Let's not even go there on that. Um, and we've got an amazing question of the podcast as well. <laughs> I've, just, I've just got people, I've just got this image of people now Googling MySpace to see what images I've posted. That's not going to be good. Um, uh, I, 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 I don't think. I can't I can't even remember whether I had a MySpace account. I've um, never had a MySpace. But we have, um, we've got an amazing question of the podcast, and the question of the podcast this week is: What is the world's greatest wonder? What is the world's greatest one? Uh, natural wonder. Um, so uh, we're open to suggestions from you know whatever yeah, aspects of life that you uh, have. However you want to interpret that question, feel free. We'd love to hear what you think, and uh, feel free to let us know what you think is the world's greatest natural wonder. Should we get on with the show? Let's do it. So this week we've got an interview with the amazing James Herbertson. James is a uh, social entrepreneur, um, uh, runs Bayswater College, um, which um, effectively uh, helps educate uh, international children, um, uh, 
teaches language. There's a lot of amazing work in the community. He's also a uh, part of an organisation that helps educate people in Zimbabwe. Um, yeah, certainly uh, he does amazing work. We talked to him about a wide range of stuff, um, including social entrepreneurs entrepreneurship you know running businesses for the greater good um education um and loads of other stuff um uh, loads of other stuff too so without further ado shall we listen to james's interview let's do it james thank you so much for coming on the podcast we really appreciate it mate um how are you today good yeah, good yeah, good day at the college great day at the college so what's been happening uh, well monday's always a busy day because you've got all the new starters um we've got lots of different courses running at the moment so, so do you have starters start every week or is it every week how come so with English language, you have a lot of what kind of roll-on, roll-off system. So okay. people can study from as short as one week right up to a year. Right. So they can start literally every Monday. We've got people coming in, and it's really we were discussing this morning. Some days, um, normally open up the college rounds at eight eight thirty. Sometimes you can have a queue out the door with everyone arriving way too early, or you can have people coming in too late. Yeah. So one student this morning that managed to arrive four hours early for their course which was which was an afternoon course so we said well thank you very much did all the sort of admin side of things and then somehow she managed to still turn up seven minutes late for the start of her class yeah so uh, yeah, even though she was around yeah yeah yeah, yeah didn't, not sure how that happened yeah um, but yeah it, we're going into the kind of winter phases now so the summer is really like the busy period we've okay. got like junior students as young as eight okay. studying with us um, right up to sort of 78 year olds and so on for the oldest so I don't know many. most people yeah. around the sort of university age kind okay. of post university at university okay so before we start talking about the college tell us a little bit about you um, me, I've, I'm a, it's actually really fun being with a two. I spent the, the weekend with my daughter, so I'm a, I'm a father, got a two-year-old. Okay. So I really aspire that hopefully mm. one day I'd love to do this is a good project. Fun, I mean, two, we've tried to get our, we, we have had a, a special guest presenter, uh, who's Sophie, who's my eight-year-old. Mm. Um, and, and how did that go? Um, she enjoys it. What's the best word for it? Shabolic? I think that, that's been... also a good day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a normal. terrible day. Yeah, shambolic is it just me and you, just chaos, absolute chaos, because she's eight and she wants to get involved as actively oh, as that's possible. That's lovely. Yeah, so so she has been involved in a couple of podcasts. Two might be a bit young. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think so. Has, uh, has I, well, might, I've just come back from China, so I brought Sky, my daughter, and brought, brought her back a big panda, so I think the panda would have to be heavily involved if she yeah, was in it. Great. How, uh, how was China? Oh, China, brilliant. Yeah? Um, for me, I find it's a, it's a fascinating place. I've been a few times. Um, but I went for just under two weeks and we packed it in. Yep. Went to six different cities. Was it work? Yeah, it was work, yeah. Okay. Um, I was going around to visit what we call like language travel agents, so people yep. that are sending students all around the world. Um, in this case, they tend to send them to, say, the UK or America or Australia and yep. so on. And, uh, yeah, to try and convince them to send their students to, to, to us. your college. Yeah, okay. and so it was great, actually, because just in the last, literally in the last day, we got a call, a commitment to send some students to our campus. We have one up in um, 
in University of Hertfordshire in okay. Hatfield. Made a commitment there. That was like brilliant. Amazing. Sort of just yeah. after all the sort of intensity, we had like 31 meetings in eight working days. So okay. it was pretty full on, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was great. And we've had a few more since going back. So sometimes you go on these trips and you don't hear anything from some of the people, but you come out of the meeting thinking, wow, here we go. Um, but yeah, it's been positive. It was good. It was good. It was yeah. good. Where, um, so, so daughters too, tell us a little bit about your life with a two-year-old then. How are you sleeping? Uh, not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. Although it's kind of fun coming back from a trip like that because you're in a completely different time zone. Yeah. So it yeah. helps. Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I try to, uh, with the college, I'm spending obviously a lot of time working there. So the weekend is always very special. Yeah. And my partner, she was away. She um, She's a trained yoga instructor. So she was away on a retreat. So it was full-on daddy-daughter time. Oh, weekend. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's going down the swings, um, back home. Swings back are good. Swings. We don't do the swings anymore, do we, really? We're I do them on my own. Why are you missing me out on... <laughs> I want to go... Seesaw we should have a go on. That's, that's no. not my favourite. No, we're not doing seesaw. I want me to get it down. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what are you trying to say? Nothing. Um, uh, and your life before the college, because now the co- you've told me the college has been running for two years. Yeah. What's your, what, what did you do before the college started? Well, I guess I've been in the education industry for the last kind of 10, 15 years. Um, in some ways, the kind of story I always trace back to is when I went to study a language for the first time myself. Um, and I got the, the bug for it. I went to study Spanish for four months in Malaga. Okay. And for me, it was just a life-changing experience to yeah. be able to talk to people in another language, to... Yeah, to sort of go beyond your little world that you've been living in and realise that there are many other people experience sometimes very similar things, sometimes very different. Culturally, to yeah, to live in Spain, to make Spanish friends. Do you think language is always easy to learn when you're in the country, immersed, good word, immersed in the country, you're learning the language? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, well, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, because you can't, one, practice. You know, if you learn, if you learn language typically in this country, if you're sort of over 18 and you'll be doing, like, evening classes, for example, yeah. and doing two to four hours, you're only going to progress so much if you're not practicing yeah. and so on. But for me, the joy of learning a language is being able to communicate with other people. Um, I always like to refer to that Michelle Thomas. I don't know if you'd heard of him. He's got he's, he did these like language CDs in the sort of eighties, okay. nineties, okay. and he always talked about like getting like a game of tennis. Language is like getting the ball over the net. Yeah, it's not about getting it precisely yeah. correct. It's like, comprehension, isn't exactly. it? As opposed to yeah. And if you get it over the net when the ball's played back to you, then of course if you're dealing with like a native speaker, then they're going to yeah. make the correction. I always so. think. I mean, certainly, if, uh, I. I, I Trouble with English, but the. the You're not allowed to I'm Cockney, all right? But English, I'm, 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 I struggle with. But the. I think the. Sometimes the barrier, certainly has been for me, is wanting to do it in a way that doesn't embarrass yourself. Yeah. Or offend them. Or offend them in speaking this other's language. Sure. I think sometimes you need to get over that. Oh, totally. Challenge, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things, and we see that in the college, the way people's 
confidence above all. Yeah. And, and it's not just confidence in speaking a language, it's confidence in them themselves. And you have to really, I mean, that's why it's, it's amazing when we do, when there's sometimes a presentation or the other day we did like a talent show yeah, in the yeah. college. And when people really put themselves out there, like singing in front of a crowd or dancing yeah. or whatever they want to do. It's a confidence builder, isn't it? It's a total it? yeah, confidence yeah. builder. And, that, that, and, and I, I look back at that time, I was like 18, 19, and you arrive as a British teenager thinking you know everything. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Um, but that was, yeah, for me, I came back so much more confident yeah, in myself. Yeah. And it was a great, before going to university, it was a great thing to do. And... So that, that was that was start your career. You went in, then went into education and did what? Um, well, first I was a language travel agent. So I was I wanted to turn the, the model on its head. So having had this great experience, I wanted to have my own business in the language industry. I wanted others to have the same experience that I did. And so it was around 2005. So not the dawn of the internet, but it was really when looking back, sort of internet businesses, especially in the travel arena, was really picking up. And uh, so I turned them on as head by being based in the UK, receiving people from all around the world, but a lot of them were coming from Spain to come and study English. Because that to... was where the connection was. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And I wanted to give people the opportunity to help fill in all those gaps because I always think the funny thing from being a when you're studying abroad, the problems or the challenges you face are not when you're in your home country, when you've got your support network, your family, your friends and so on. It's, of course, when you go abroad. Yeah. So I started a business then called Answer English and ran that for three or four years. Um, but it just wasn't really, from a business commercial point of view, wasn't really making a lot of money. The cost of um, acquiring a customer was far too much, and so I decided to sell it. Yeah. And fortunately, I managed to sell it, got all my money back, which is great. And then I worked in on the accommodation side of the business. Right. I did that for eight years and sold the business. I was helping students find accommodation. And what I was kind of feeling by the end was on a purpose point of view, we were doing a great thing, you know, we were housing literally thousands of students every year, but it was at the end they putting people's like bums in beds effectively. Yeah. And I'd worked in the industry, I really wanted to do it. And the other part was that, yeah, we're dealing with people that come from a relatively affluent background. Not everybody, especially some of the Europeans, but when you look at the people we have coming from South America, the Middle East... Yeah, to afford to come to the yeah, UK. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. One, the air... Yeah, yeah. The flight, um, then to live, especially in a city like London. Um, yeah, people are coming from a relatively affluent background, and unfortunately for every one of those that comes, there's many, many more that will never, ever have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we started Bayswater as a social enterprise. Amazing. We wanted the people, and the whole business fundamentally is for the people that come to study with us, we want them to have a great experience. We want them to come to us because they believe that they're going to have a better future and more opportunities themselves. But as a result of them being there, that we could help people from a less fortunate or less privileged yeah. background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we formed it in two years. I say we because um, got business partner Stefan, and he he worked in the industry. In fact, I used to be an agent of his way back then, and a client with my um, combination business. So I've known him for years, and we both kind of had this kind of. Where did the, where did the idea first come to fruition? Where was it? Like? Well, it's very interesting. Like, like all things in any sort of partnership, you ask 
two people get two different opinions. Um, Stefan, he, he'd been very inspired by the Tom's shoes, I don't know, yep. the, the, yeah, the fashion yeah. brand. So buy a pair of shoes and, and give a pair of shoes to sell those and have yeah. them. Um, for my inspiration, I, I've actually got a charity. I started some mates of mine um, called Zimbabwe Rural Schools Development Program, okay, or ZRSDP for short, which is great if you're playing Scrabble and yeah. stuck. Um, Does that count as a word? And we had our first um, product, which is this. Um, it's like a sort of power bank for your phone. And when you bought one of those, we sent a solar panelled light to Zimbabwe. Okay. Because a bit, bit like we are now looking out the window after you get at five, six o'clock in the evening. Um, unless you've got a paraffin lamp, you basically can't study. Yeah. So the idea was making this link between you buying a product and then in return, you're actually receiving something, but you're also giving to someone yeah. else. And yeah. that reciprocal idea... I hadn't really seen him play before and I went to this event and we bought a hundred of these products and we sort of scratched how are we going to sell them? Anyway, I was at this event where there's 55 people and I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll pitch it. It was actually in this kind of business. And I went out the front and I was following this architecture that we've been taught how to pitch and make a presentation. Got to the end and I said, oh, you know, does anyone want to get one? And uh, one bloke goes, I'll buy 11. And I was like, wow. And uh, I was really sort of slightly taken back. And I said, oh, oh, anyone else want to buy one? And literally, everyone pretty much put their hands up. That was, first fella's done you a mess. Oh, he did, he did. He, did. he totally I mean, set the bar. He yeah. set the bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. going, I'm, I'm like, at least I need to take one now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I looked at my sort of group and... And I was a bit, you know, I was a bit emotional. Some of the ladies, they thought, they thought I was crying, so they started crying. And then I saw them, they cried. I did start crying, and I was, yeah. it was a really emotional moment for me. Anyway, I managed to sell 55 of them in the space of 10 minutes. Cool. And it just really sort of struck me as, wow, if people are actually getting something for themselves, then it, it, it's not like charity where, yeah. You, know, you, you give a donation, but yeah. yeah, you might get an email or newsletter, but you feel completely, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 you know, yeah, unattached to to the good that's happening. Whereas in this case, you're actually yeah. getting a product that you wanted for yourself. See, see it's interesting because I think um, I and we'll come on a bit, to explore a bit more about the college in a minute. But mm. certainly, one of the values in our business, and we're seeing a lot more, is businesses who want to do good, right? Businesses yeah. who do what, understand you, they've got to make a profit and yeah. continue to grow to be sustainable, yeah. but why not just give back to your local community or your world yeah, exactly. or anything like that? Why should those things be mutually exclusive? And your, your model is that, isn't yeah. it? It's do well, but deliver a service that's right for your clients or customers, but also do good. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah, yeah. Do you see that growing in, in the oh, education definitely. space? Well, well, what we wanted to make is very important, this distinction, that's why we're a social enterprise, is that the, the doing good parts of the projects we do abroad, and we did one in the UK as well, comes out of revenue rather than profits. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, for many businesses that choose to do good out of profits, one of the downsides is, of course, that if they have a bad year or they have a change of ownership, yeah, it's less. Or whatever, then suddenly yeah. it can be less. So we want to make a model where there was a link. And secondly, because of the nature of our business, what I would love, and it's a bit early days for that because we've only been running the projects we've been doing for 
going on near close to a year now. But I would love it that some of the students could go and visit some of those projects yeah. and get involved. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they'll be inspired to have their own social enterprise or do something in their home country. Yeah. Or our team members, so Sonia, who works with um, recruiting students from South America, she's just been to visit a project in Colombia. And she's Colombian. And yes. I know she's actually coming back in a week's time, but I know when she comes back, when she shares that moment and shares it with the it's team. It's a story. It's a great story. Yeah, yeah. it's a story. So that's really the kind of dream so as Bayswater develops as a business the plan is to do more and more okay. projects so at the moment we've got one in Brazil um, we've got another one in Colombia yep. and we did a programme um, up at uh, Nottingham University this summer for refugees Okay. but the idea eventually is for wherever a student comes from in the world we will do a programme sure. in the home country so we can really make that reciprocal yeah. so at the moment I'm talking to various different um charities and organisations we'd like to start a project soon in Thailand I'd like to do something in Italy it may be there um, that we're working again with refugees um, we'd like to do something in China because we have so many students in the sure. future going to come from there so we're going to develop up a network and so, so, so help me understand a little bit more about the college and how many how many people a year come, I know it's early days, it's the first couple of years, but how many people a year come through the college at the moment? Well, we, we actually bought a college that already existed, so okay. it's actually been, um, to, as a barrier to entry into the education yeah. industry, it helps if you've got British Council accreditation, because you can have... And that college had well. it already. So they've been around since the 70s, so, okay. so we've got um, around about sort of 50 nationalities in a, in a year, not all at the same time, um, yeah. some nationalities more than others, we have a lot of Brazilian and Thai students, for example, at the moment, but in the summer you might have a lot of Italians for example so it depends on the time of year and I know you mentioned before we start recording the podcast that people can come from a, for a week up to a year yeah. typically how how long do they stay in the, in the well if they're coming in the summer it's typically like two or three weeks is quite typical um, certainly on the junior students um, in the sort of September round till May period I think the average is probably about six or seven weeks it's a bit of a false average because again some people can only be here for a couple of weeks and a, yeah. lot, a lot of people do end up staying with us for six months yeah, yeah in yeah. some ways the six month students are the ones where you can really get to know them you can really focus on their goals that they want to achieve yeah. um when someone's coming for a week or two weeks yeah you don't you have to, to be realistic well. you can't get to yeah. know them as well and for them there's only so much you can achieve in a short period of time so for the adult students, for me, it's very special. With you know, some of the other things we do beyond the classes, I have um, an event we run every Tuesday, which is called World Cafe, which is a community-based event where we welcome um, people in the local community, also people from a refugee background, so they can experience being in the college. And we get a guest speaker in. We've had like a whole different range of people from someone that started their own donut brand, someone had a pop-up coffee, um, to someone that was working at the foreign office, yeah. uh, someone from Olio, this um, food sharing app. So we've had like a completely different, diverse range. And they normally give a, yeah, kind of a, like a talk or presentation to share how they got into their job, why they do what they do. Yeah. And then after that, we talk about the two main objectives that people have. One is either to get a job, not necessarily in the UK, but it might be to get a job back in their home country, how to do your CV, how to prepare for interview skills. And then um, the other one is to go off to university. So Jessica, who works with us, she used to work for um, Regents University. Okay. So she understands all that process, which 
yeah, it's a great thing for students. That it's yeah. like, oh, I'd love to do that, but how do I do that? Or for people from a refugee programme, maybe they're in a kind of entry-level job, maybe okay. they're working in the bar or retail and what have you, and they want to go back to What's, what they studied in their home countries, yeah, yeah. but don't have the things that maybe we can take for granted. You know, sure. The network, the support, yeah. just the how-to. So that's what we try to do. So it's those type of things. So when someone's with us for that long, they can join in our they social can events. They can come the to the World Cafe. Yeah, yeah. And also, I'd imagine... Living outside of, of the country of origin, they haven't, as you said, they haven't got a support network. No. Not 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 only a commercial network and a, a network to potentially sort of scale their idea, just friends, yeah. you know, because it, it could be quite a lonely environment for somebody like that. Yeah, right? I mean, that's what I think, though, is the magic also about being in a language school environment. So you've got all these different nationalities, people that you're rubbing shoulders with that you yeah. never really necessarily would have met sometimes people with countries that previously been at wars you know yeah. set next to each other so it's, a, it's kind of born in that kind of 60s yeah. sort of peace ideals and so on yeah. um, so it's a very warm environment I think um, very accepting especially some people coming from very difficult situations before I think they could feel very welcome in that environment yeah. Yeah. but yeah you don't obviously have the same thing that you do in your home country with your friend you've got to make yeah. friends and yeah, make yeah, yeah. kind of instantly when but you get there but also there's potential to learn that mm. isn't it right, right. what do you think yeah I think there's lots of potential within the one of those days it is one of those days my brain's just shut off um, yeah I think there's lots of potential for like not only people to learn, but also for people to take, uh, create their own opportunities for themselves based yeah. on this new network they, that they are creating for themselves. Yeah, I it's interesting though what you said about <clears throat> getting business owners and entrepreneurs in space to, yeah. to your students. Are a lot of your students of that mindset that they want to create their own thing? And do you, is that the reason that you're getting these speakers in? Or is it come from the fact that you want to inspire ideas in the student body? What are your thoughts on I think a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I think a lot, I mean, it's a very formative period of people's lives. We're talking about a lot of the students there between sort of 20 and 30. So they sort of still find their feet, yeah. not entirely sure always what they want to do. So for me, it's very important to expose them to those yeah. sort of things because yeah, yeah. it's not for me to judge what happens in their home lives or back in their home countries. But yeah, our mission is all about educating and inspiring the next generation. I guess having been an entrepreneur, tarnished with that, um, and you want people to mm. and the to world see of those work sort of is fundamentally things. different now to the way it was thirty yeah, years ago, sure. right? So, sure. so you need to expose people to the fact that, like, if you want to start something itself and and it's entirely possible. Back, yeah, absolutely, it's your choice and 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 to do it. I mean, you mentioned about the the importance of education. How important do you think education and knowledge is in a young person's ability to live a full life? Oh, I mean, yeah, fundamental. Okay. Um, and I think I'm very lucky. My, my dad from an early age was always banging on about the importance of education. Sorry. To him. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, looking at that in a kind of environment piece... If, if you haven't had that, I think it's very difficult, you know, it's down to you as a, as a person and, 
how important you judge education to be. But I know I've been very lucky by my dad. I think he didn't manage to get to university and he wanted to go to university and probably his only real big regret that he had or disappointment was the fact that he didn't get to go to university. So for me, I think he was sort of drilling this into me from an early age. And I've seen it, I mean, with the, in some ways, with Bayswater still quite an early, early stage, but with the work we've done in Zimbabwe, um, with the charity work there, I mean, it's just amazing to see when people have an opportunity and they have more access to it and how, how they can blossom as people and you mm. can see the opportunity. So definitely, I mean... So that was part one of James's interview. Uh, as, as usual, we cut all of our interviews down into two parts. So you will um, be able to listen to the second part of James's interview next week. Shall we get on with the end of the show? Right, let's do this. Here's the end of another podcast. But you know, the end is never truly the end. Where's your fridge? I thought we were doing French edition. No. Oh, okay. No. We're not. Please, we're not. no. Okay, that's fine. Now, we had, um, a, we did have an amazing uh, question of the podcast last week, and it was a pretty popular one, actually. Um, uh, the question we asked last week is, what song is the best song to dance around the kitchen to? What do you think your favourite song to dance around the kitchen to is? Um, I think we had this discussion last week, but uh, because Soph was on last week, and I said, me and Soph, when we're clearing the kitchen, we put Hamilton on and just sing along in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. You, you and you and Sophie having a rap battle is uh, one thing to, to be believed. But I, you and I like a rap battle as well, don't we? High five, not appropriate for a podcast, but we'll have it anyway. Yeah, exactly. It just—it sounds like you're just giving me a slap. Um, but you're so short, you can't reach me face. Um, uh, <laughs> you're so tall, you can't even reach the bloody floor. <laughs> right. Let's on that note. Um, let's talk about the uh, answers from our uh, our audience. John Cook said, "There's only one." Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. Do you know what that song uh, is? Yes. Yeah, cool. Um, uh, uh, Sam Chilton said, Steve Chilton and I's favourite is uh, Tones and I, Dance Monkey. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I'll have to give that a little watch. Stevie Dan said, Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. Uh, Caroline Thompson said, Don't You Worry Child by Swedish Hours Mafia. I actually like that song. Andrew Barrett said, My Hours Madness. Um, Aidy Ball said she bangs a drum but it's Stone Roses uh, Mark Rutter who I know because he's commented on the uh, podcast before is a bass controller said you be 40 rat in the kitchen <laughs> mix up with a bit of work Mark well done um, Dave Forsdyke said The Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News definitely the best version of The Power of Love um, uh, and um Dave also likes another one by that's by Queen. Now I've got to say, Queen is a good artist to pick for dancing in the kitchen, isn't it? Yep. Sorry, I don't have much else to say about that. You're okay. just like expecting what, elaboration. What, I'm like, yeah. What's your favourite so far? Um, 
I like the, uh, another one bites the dust probably. Okay. A lot of the songs I like, I vaguely recognise from being played to me, but I wouldn't choose to listen to them independently. <laughs> I, I, I have music played to me. <laughs> um, Francis Barrett says, "Let's go crazy, Prince." Uh, Fiona Mapurgo says, "Jump by Van Halen now, oh. now." Mm. How are we feeling about that one? I love that song so much. So do I. So do I. Where did you first hear "Jump by Van Halen"? I don't know. Spotify, I guess I found it. <laughs> Spotify. Uh, <laughs> Jade, Jade Foster Jarrett said, Ray of Light. Alan Bowley went, Footloose, Kenny Loggins. That is an 80s classic. Sandy Wood said, Tainted Loves of Cell. Uh, Al McCann said, Praise You by Fatboy Slim. Uh, Paul Gorman said, Food for Thought by UB40. Um, I don't know if I know that, to be honest. But Nicola Taylor's got in for a UB40 as well. Kingston Town. Absolute banger. Uh, Tamsin Kane said, uh, There's only one choice. Mr. Brightside, of course. And Mike Christie went for one of my big listens at the minute. Billy Ocean with Red Light Spells Danger. Oh, have we talked about the the Discovery Weekly on here? I can't think we have. Do you want to share about the Discovery oh, Weekly? Okay. So, me and Dad, we do this thing um, where we go on Spotify and we look at our Discovery Weekly and we just randomly, like, pull songs we like off it. Tell, just, just... In but, case. like, it, it's got some really good discoveries. Cause so, so, you showed it to me first, didn't you? And yeah. I was like, uh, you was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of... There's songs that I sort of either haven't heard for ages or I've never heard. Um, Spotify, based on your your previous playlists actually so Spotify based on your previous playlists actually recommend songs for you and you love yeah, it yeah 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 I, I pull loads of songs from it every week I started doing it um, when we shared an account so all of the music was a well, bit that's like... the problem when we shared an account because we've got the Spotify duo account now Spotify if you do want to sponsor us feel free to get in touch because we do love your work I mean um, considering we spent a collective total of around nine hours 900 hours on Spotify how did last, we do that I don't, I don't know how did, how did we I spend 900 hours I mean music? last year was very study heavy for both of us yeah yeah so we probably just like add it on in the background, but but you know what the, the thing is, because because I sometimes put music on when I'm going to bed and yeah, you I do, do as, as well. well. Then like it's it's on while you're sleeping and stuff like that, and and you just rack up hours that way, don't you? Yeah, so, I mean, but it's not that many. It's like four, five. What hours that I rack up while I'm sleeping? You need to get more sleep. <laughs> And on that note, um, uh, <laughs> that's the end of another podcast. We will see you next week on The Kindness Project. Bye.